Hello, I'm Oliver Colling, and this is my 70s TV childhood. Hello again. Welcome back for more reminiscences of growing up in the 1970s and the role that TV played in our lives. I've had a complaint this week from a regular listener who says I was spending too much time explaining what this podcast is about and where you can find it. So this week, there's no preamble. No talking about the listeners we now have in 29 countries, or no mentions of being able to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever. No, let's get straight to the action. I don't know about you, but I find the power of technology quite amazing in today's online digital world. I only need to browse a website looking at, say, a new pair of jeans. And from then on, ads pop up offering me all kinds of Jeremy Clarkson-style trousers at great prices. If you do subscribe to our podcast, I'm sure you'll get recommendations generated by algorithms saying, if you like My 70s TV Childhood, you might be interested in the Flock Wallpaper Lovers Weekly Podcast, available here. Or something like that. It's truly remarkable. All of our actions and interactions online are logged, recorded and stored and unless we're absolutely obsessive about our security settings on Facebook, Twitter, Google, etc. Those algorithms are going to target you with whatever they calculate you might be persuaded to buy. Like many things, it wasn't like that in the 1970s, which isn't the first time I've said that on this podcast. Advertising was restricted to print, radio, and most notably to television. We also had advertising in the cinema, but I remember those, particularly the cheap local ones, being so dire as to not have any meaningful impact on the local economy. I'm a big fan of the TV show Mad Men. And whilst I'm not suggesting that the UK advertising industry was anything like the uber-cool world inhabited by Don Draper et al, with three martini lunches and glamorous women, it was a fabulously creative period where the best writing and production talent was on display. Writers like Faye Weldon and Salman Rushdie started out using their considerable skills as copywriters, and filmmakers like Ridley Scott learned their trade making TV adverts. Fabulously talented people were pouring their skills into making us buy more wagon wheels or to change our toothpaste brands. So it's no wonder that I and many of my contemporaries have as vivid memories of what was shown between our favourite TV shows as the TV shows themselves. Just as an aside, Faye Weldon coined the famous 1960s slogan, Go to Work on an Egg, for which she's rightly remembered. She also came up with a fantastic slogan for a drinks manufacturer, which was, Vodka gets you drunker faster, which, for some reason, her bosses vetoed. In a later interview with The Guardian, she noted that it just seemed to be obvious to me that people who wanted to get drunk fast needed to know this. 
Never mind, Faye. I agree with your logic, but you can't win them all. So back to today's main subject, TV advertising. The 1970s, when I grew up, was a golden age of advertising. So I'm going to consider why those adverts from my childhood are so memorable and try and share some of those with you to jog some memories of those you might have forgotten. When I cast my mind back to the adverts I remember best, it seems that the UK was a country which focused on a number of things. Getting drunk, smoking, eating sweets and crisps, and then using all kinds of household products to clean up afterwards. From that not entirely promising start, I'm going to give you my top 10 of 1970s TV adverts, and then you can let me know whether you agree, what I might have missed, and what your best advert memories are. You can do that by commenting on our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com, tweeting at 70stvchildhood, or emailing me, oliver, at my70stvchildhood.com. So where to start? Let's begin with drinking alcohol, a hugely popular 1970s pastime, indeed as it is today, particularly during our recent lockdowns. But the whole way of drinking in the UK was a bit different then, as alcohol was not as freely available and could only be sold in shops at certain times of the day. Many supermarkets didn't sell alcohol at all, and those that did had to have a separate shop within their shop. So no browsing the Malbecs, Sauvignons and Prosecco as part of the weekly shop. No, most drink was bought in the pub or in the off-licence. Our tastes were less sophisticated too, hence the popularity of brands like Blue Nun and Black Tower Wines. And no soiree was complete without a can of Watney's Party 7 which, for those that don't remember it, was a large canister full of fizzy beer, which was opened with a tin opener. If our younger listeners don't know what a tin opener is, then I suggest you look online. Pubs themselves were not that attractive either, particularly in towns like Warrington, where I grew up. They were mostly large, dark, cavernous, smoky rooms, with little in the way of seating, dedicated to the vertical drinking activity of working men after a hard day. There was also no conception of pub food in most establishments, unless you count a packet of plain crisps and a bag of pork scratchings as a meal. I know I'm not painting a very attractive picture here, but as a child, that wasn't the impression I got from the adverts. Drinking looked like something brilliant. The sun-kissed beaches, speedboats and general glamour that seemed to accompany anyone who drank martini looked great to me. It's the bright one. It's the right one. It's Martini. It was only as a teenager, starting my underage drinking career, that I finally discovered that Martini wasn't the right one or the bright one, and that it didn't bring beautiful girls flocking around me, rather it attracted other drinkers questioning why I wasn't having a pint. This glamorous world is best summed up by my pick of advert at number 10, and that is the Quantra advert, which has everything a good 70s TV ad should. It's got a stereotypical smoothie Frenchman schmoozing an English ice maiden around a dinner party table by, believe it or not, reading the ingredients from the bottle with a French accent, ending with oranges ripened by the tropical sun. 
At which point, the already besotted couple realise that everyone around the table has fallen silent and is listening. How cliched. But it ran for years. And there was a follow-up when the two protagonists were reunited in the 1980s, which introduced Sacre Bleu, drinking Cointreau with ice. The warmth of the Cointreau represents the French, and the ice, the reserve of you English. And what happens when they come together, asks the woman. The ice melts. Oh, really? No wonder Brexit was such a popular notion. At number nine comes more drink, only this time it's of the non-alcoholic variety. PG Tips was the tea of choice in our house as I was growing up, but I was more impressed by the adverts than the drink itself. There are a whole series of adverts based on the concept of the Chimps Tea Party, which was a popular attraction at zoos in the 1970s. As a young child, I only saw chimps dressed as people in amusing sketches, such as the Removal Men ad, where the chimps were trying to get a piano upstairs, only to be interrupted by the lady of the house shouting, Cooey, tea, Mr Shifter, causing the remover to drop the piano downstairs onto his son, whose immortal line was, Dad, do you know the piano's on my foot? To which his father replied, You am it, son, and I'll play it. Hugely enjoyable at the time, but unthinkable today. Thank goodness. And thank goodness we've learned to respect animals and no longer put them through activities like this for our own entertainment. Some things certainly have changed for the better over time. Perhaps because I was obviously the target demographic, chocolate and sweet adverts live on in my memory. At number eight, we have Texan, a chewy toffee bar, advertised by a cowboy, presumably meant to be a Texan. We had lots of cowboys trying to get us to eat sweets. One advertised Toffo, a man's got to chew, what a man's got to chew. And then, of course, there was the Aegis Milky Bar Kid, who was strong and tough, but only the best is good enough. The creamiest milk, the whitest bar, the goodness that's in Milky Bar, before shouting, the Milky Bars are on me. Anyway, the Texan ad featured yet more stereotypes, this time a Mexican firing squad, where the officer asked the Texan, a last request, gringo. To which he obviously asked to finish his Texan bar, which takes so long to chew that the firing squad falls asleep and he escapes. Texan takes time to chew. It's chocolate again at number eight, and the sumptuous erotic theme flake adverts. Only the crumbliest flaky is chocolate. Tastes like chocolate never tasted before. Well, that sort of ignited sexual thoughts in pubescence across the land, no doubt. I don't think I need to say any more on this one. Those who remember, remember these. And if you didn't, have a look online. We're back to alcohol again at number six. And the series of adverts for Cinzano starring Leonard Rossiter and Joan Collins. The premise of these was very simple. Rossiter played a garrulous bore who inevitably managed to pour a glass of Cinzano over his long-suffering wife, played by Collins. The one I remember best was set on a plane where Joan manages to dodge several attempts to spill her drink, only to have her airline seat pushed back by Leonard, therefore causing her to spill a drink all over herself. 
Simple, funny, timeless. A final chocolate ad at number five. There are so many I could have chosen. Like Milky Way, the sweets you can eat between meals without losing your appetite. A finger of fudge, which is just enough to give your kids a treat. Or Frank Muir singing, everyone's a fruit and nut case. But my last sweetie is the rather bizarre adverts for a new chocolate bar launched by Cadbury in the early 1970s, the Curly Whirly. These adverts featured Terry Scott of Terry and June fame, dressed as a schoolboy in full uniform, including cap and shorts, extolling the virtue of the snack for only 3p. Very strange. Again, have a look online and see what they look like in today's lens. Number four brings us back to Ridley Scott and the classic Hovis adverts. From the opening tremble of and the view of the baker's boy pushing his bike up the hill in a grim place up north. Well, it was filmed in Dorchester, actually. It was a gripping advert, fantastically made, which placed Hovis right up there with the leading bread brands. A whole series of nostalgic ads followed over the years, and I have to admit one of them became a bit of a party piece of mine. Set on the day of Edward VII's coronation, our just Nipper went talking, come to the throne. Everyone in the street had day off, except me mum and dad that were, obviously because they were up very early making lots and lots of hovis for sandwiches for the king's coronation and the lovely street party they were going to have with all their neighbours. I always think the more effective an advert is, the more parodies it provokes. And in this case, this one must be one of the best, as it has been parodied by all kinds of people, including the two Ronnies and many others, endlessly over the years. And it's still fondly remembered now. At number three is one of my favourites, which still makes me smile today. In 1970, Unigate Dairies began a series of adverts warning us against the Humphreys. Now, the Humphreys were bands of small creatures who were never seen on the screen, who carried long red and white straws, which were used to steal our precious supplies of Unigate milk. A whole series of adverts followed, featuring various celebrities from Frank Muir, when he wasn't eating Cadbury's fruit and nut, the great Arthur Mullard, to even, and most bizarrely, Muhammad Ali, who performed a rhyming threat against the Humphreys to frighten them off from stealing his glass of milk. Now, I'm sure some of our listeners might think I've had a few drinks before the recording, but I swear this is 100% true. I'll post a link to some examples on the blog after the show, so take a look at my70stvchildhood.com. Whoever the Humphreys tried to outwit, the ads would all end the same way. Watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out, there's a Humphrey about. Great catchphrase. So who's made it to the top two in my personal 70s ad list? There are so many that haven't featured yet. Like Molly Weir's Scottish cleaning lady, encouraging us to scour our baths with flash. The remarkable high karate aftershave ads, where men wearing the high karate aftershave product 
were pursued by beautiful women. And we had the sight of Laurie McMenemy trying to get us to drink Barbican non-alcoholic beer. I can't even find room for Whitbread. Whitbread, big head, trophy bitter, the pint that thinks it's a quart. Or the smooth sophistication of Paul Masson's California carafes, as advertised by Orson Welles. And I refer you back to previous episodes. You know, looking at what Wells did on UK TV during the 70s, I think he must have been short of cash. No, at number two, it's everybody's favourite nighttime drink, R. White's Lemonade. R. White's Lemonade was made immortal by the music and words of Ross McManus, who incidentally was Elvis Costello's father. I'm a secret lemonade drinker, R. White's. Ah, White's, I've been trying to give it up, but it's one of those nights. Ah, White's, ah, White's lemonade. I'm a secret lemonade drinker. Ah, White's, ah, White's. I I really don't have to add anything else for those who remember it. Classic British TV advertising at its best. So what's made it to number one? Is it Tudor Crisps, Caddy Northeasterners, doing a deal for a bag of Tudor? Or could it be Ready Breck, Central Heating for Kids? Or might it even be the Playtex 24-hour girdle, which is so comfortable that women in the advert keep forgetting they have it on? No, it's none of those. It's a tale set in another faraway galaxy. On your last trip, did you discover what the Earth people eat? They eat a great many of these. They peel them with their metal knives. Boil them for 20 of their minutes. Then they smash them all to bits. They are clearly a most primitive people. I watched the original Smash advert whilst preparing for this episode, and I still find it funny and so well constructed and executed. It has good music, a great strapline, and for me, it sums up commercial breaks from my childhood. Sheer genius. Even more so when you look at the product, instant mashed potato. In today's gastro economy, where we're all hand-baking artisan sourdough topped with crispy kale or something, it seems ridiculous that instant potato was being sold as a good thing. But don't forget, at that time, it was mainly women who'd been tied to the stove. And Smash offered a convenient, time-saving way to help them avoid spending hours peeling and boiling spuds. Are the Smash aliens your favourite? Or do you think I've got it completely wrong? Let me know on our blog. Or by tweeting at 70s TV Childhood. Or emailing me direct, oliver at my70stvchildhood.com. I hope you've enjoyed our foray into TV adverts of the 1970s and that I've managed to stir some familiar memories. After this episode is released, I'm going to be sharing some of those on the blog, so pay a visit and see if they're still as good as you remember. There are so many more I haven't had time to mention, so apologies if your favourite hasn't made the cut. That's it for now, so join us again soon, and remember... If you want a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, join our club. See you again soon on My 70s TV Childhood.
thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by visiting my Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash Oliver Colling and signing up as a member. For £2 a month, you can join the Tufty Club, support the show and get a shout out. And for £5 a month, you can become a Blue Peter Badge member, get a shout out and appear with me on a future episode. All memberships are completely flexible and can be cancelled at any time. Your help is much appreciated. And don't forget, it's all because the lady loves milk tray. <laughs>